Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for standing by. I would like to welcome everyone to the CBO Global Markets fourth quarter earnings call. At this time, all lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. If you'd like to ask a question during this time, simply press the star followed by the number one on your telephone keypad. If you'd like to withdraw your question, please press the star followed by the one once again. Thank you. I will now hand the call over to Ken Hill, Vice President of Investor Relations and Treasurer. You may begin your conference. Good morning, and thank you for joining us for our fourth quarter earnings conference call. On the call today, Fred Tomzik, our CEO, and Dave Housen, our Global President, will discuss our performance for the quarter and provide an update for our strategic initiatives. Then, Jill Grimano, our Executive Vice President, Chief Financial Officer, and Chief Accounting Officer will provide an overview of our financial results for the quarter, as well as discuss our 2024 financial outlook. Following their comments, we will open the call to Q&A. Also joining us for Q&A will be Chris Isaacson, our Chief Operating Officer. I would like to point out that this presentation will include the use of slides. We will be showing the slides and providing commentary on each. A downloadable copy of the slide presentation is available on the Investor Relations portion of our website. During our remarks, we'll be making some forward-looking statements, which represent our current judgment on what the future may hold. And while we believe these judgments are reasonable, these forward-looking statements are not guarantees of future performance and involve certain assumptions, risks, and uncertainties. Actual outcomes and results may differ materially from what is expressed or implied in any forward-looking statements. Please refer to our filings with the SEC for full discussion of the factors that may affect any forward-looking statements. We undertake no obligation to publicly update any forward-looking statements, whether as a result of new information, future events, or otherwise, after this conference call. During the call this morning, we'll be referring to non-GAAP measures as defined and reconciled in our earnings material. Now, I'd like to turn the call over to Fred. Good morning, and thanks for joining us today. I hope 2024 is off to a great start for everyone. I'm pleased to report on strong fourth quarter and full-year results for CBO Global Markets. During the quarter, we grew net revenue by 9% year-over-year to a record $499 million and adjusted diluted EPS by 14% to $2.06. These results capped another record year, which saw us grow net revenue 10% to a record $1.9 billion and adjusted earnings per share 13% to a record $7.80. Our outstanding results were driven by record trading volumes across our derivatives business, continued durability and growth of our data and access solutions business, and discipline expense management. Our derivatives business delivered another record quarter as total organic net revenue increased 18%. As more investors embraced the utility of options to help navigate any market environment, we saw total options average daily volume increase to a record 14.9 million contracts, driven by a 24% increase in index options. We saw record volumes across our suite of S&P 500 index options products, with fourth quarter ADV and the SPX contract increasing 22% year over year to 3.3 million contracts. We also saw solid performance in our volatility product suite with VIX options up 33% year over year. Our data and access solutions business continued to perform well, and we continue to have a strong conviction in this business going forward as we look to unlock value and revenue opportunities across the globe. During the quarter, organic net revenue in our data and access solutions business increased 7%. 
Net revenue in our cash and spot markets businesses decreased during the quarter, finishing a year of more muted volume activity across global equity markets. Overall, it was a strong quarter for both transaction and non-transaction growth that capped an excellent year for SIBO. Over the last few years, SIBO has built out a unique global derivatives and securities network. With a network largely built, nearly all the acquisitions integrated, we are now turning our attention to unlocking the value of this network through strategic organic growth initiatives. As I highlighted last quarter, I'm focused on three key priorities that I believe will further strengthen SIBO and enhance shareholder value over the longer term. One, sharpening our strategic focus. Two, effective allocation of our capital. And three, developing talent and management succession. We're working through our strategic review now, but I wanted to provide you some framework of how we're approaching this process. First, we're analyzing the secular trends driving market activity today and how we can continue to maximize our core competencies and leverage our global platform and superior technology. We continue to see several key secular trends reshaping trading and capital markets. As I sit here today, those trends continue to gather momentum and propel our business forward. First, the globalization of markets and subsequently our customer base. Our global customer base wants access to all of our trading capabilities. They're looking for efficiencies and a consistent experience trading across asset classes and ge geographies, which we can deliver. Second, the unprecedented rise of the retail customer has transformed U.S. market in recent years. As with many global trends, we believe what has transpired in the U.S. market will evolve to other global jurisdictions as those markets typically follow a similar evolution. We believe this new generation of retail investors is here to stay and becoming more sophisticated as they increase their use of options to help execute their trading and investing strategies. We continue to see opportunity to service this key segment as the retail wave expands globally. Finally, technology and data, including emerging areas like cloud computing and artificial intelligence, continue to transform the world we live in and is a fuel that helps drive trading in our markets and products. As our customers engage with markets around the world, high-quality technology and easily accessible, relevant data is paramount. What differentiates SIBO and enables us to leverage these trends is our core strengths. First, our global footprint that we've now assembled. Second, our renewed focus on superior technology. And three, our emphasis on greater product innovation. Our recent acquisitions have helped us to hone these core strengths, and we now have a solid foundation for continued organic initiatives that we expect to drive revenue growth and earnings growth in 2024 and beyond. Today, we are the only truly global derivatives and securities exchange. Our global equities footprint spans seven of the top 10 global equity markets creating an unrivaled, consistent trading experience for our global customer base. These equity markets have provided strong and consistent cash flow generation for our business. But importantly, we see securities markets as the foundational element. Table stakes 
in creating products and services that span the equities and derivatives landscape. Another strength is our technology, which has enabled us to be nimble and efficient operator of securities markets around the globe. With two major technology migrations completed last year in Australia and Japan, we now have all but one of our equities and equity derivatives markets running on our common technology platform. Our final technology integration is planned to take place in early 2025 with the migration of our Canadian market to CBO technology. With nearly all of our acquisitions fully integrated, we are well positioned to unlock the incremental value from our global network by investing in organic growth initiatives in all of our businesses while enhancing and leveraging our global technology platform. Over the last two years, our product innovation has driven an incredible evolution in the options market that makes us even more confident about the durability of our business. We've seen an increasingly diverse set of market participants turning to shorter duration options across our SPX complex, continuously hedging and repositioning on a day-in and day-out basis, not just during times of market volatility. Prior to the launch of Tuesday and Thursday options in the spring of 2022, zero DTE as a percentage of SPX activity was in the low 20% range. In 2023, that reached 45% for the year and moved to 50% in January. With some product innovations like zero DTE drive immediate volumes, we know that other innovations like standing up a new derivatives market in Europe take time. The remarkable thing about our business is that the core engine can continue to churn and produce revenue in the short term while we continue to incubate new markets for long-term growth. In summary, we remain focused on creating a healthy ecosystem of products and services that create short, medium, and long-term opportunities, helping to enable a cadence of consistent growth. Additionally, we remain well-positioned due to our disciplined capital allocation strategy. During the fourth quarter, we paid off all of our outstanding variable rate debt, and we're in a very good place with our leverage ratio as we begin 2024. We remain committed to maintaining a flexible balance sheet while investing in organic growth initiatives, our technology capabilities, and operating efficiencies to drive revenue growth and optimize our margin and thereby drive earnings growth. Finally, talent development and succession planning remains a priority for me. We continue to develop leadership in all functions across the company and optimize our organizational structure to support our global strategy. I'll now turn the call over to Dave. Thanks, Fred. As we enter 2024, we are well positioned to capitalize on those trends and build on our record 2023 results. You have heard me speak in the past about the foundational elements that make up our ecosystem and the process we follow for moving up our cash, data, and derivatives value ladder. I want to start by outlining the ways we have strengthened the SIBO Foundation before looking at how we plan to unlock organic value across the ecosystem in 2024. Starting first with the cash and spot markets. In 2023, we enhanced our presence in every major market open to competition around the globe, making the biggest advancements in the Asia-Pacific region. 
In March 2023, we completed our technology migration and bids rollout for SIBO Australia. And in the fourth quarter, we completed our technology migration and launch of the bid network in, in Japan. This migration not only provided a uniform infrastructure to enhance our performance and trading capabilities in the region, but it unlocked opportunities across our value ladder for incremental data product offerings and the ability to add adjacent asset classes over time. With the Australian migration complete nearly a year ago, it serves as the most recent example of this expansion strategy in action. Since the migration, SIBO Australia has seen a solid increase in its market share, with SIBO's continuous cash market share finishing December at 21.2%, up 3.5 percentage points as compared to December of 2022. The benefits of our regional expansion are not isolated to cash equities, though. As we move up the value ladder, we see data and access solutions in the region grow, with Australian market data and access services growing by 11% in 2023. The gains in Australia are illustrative of the broader globalisation trend benefiting the data and access solutions business. In fact, the fourth quarter represented the highest quarter ever for data sales to customers outside the US. SIBO Global Cloud, our real-time data streaming service, allows customers efficient access to SIBO's robust suite of market data products. Today, nearly 80% of our cloud customers are located outside of the United States, with the demand for 24-7 access to markets and market data only growing. Last on our value ladder, but certainly not least, as we think about expanding our derivatives capabilities, we remain steadfast in our efforts to bring a U.S. market experience to global participants. Shifting market behavior takes time, and we are still in the early stages of this journey, but we are well aligned with the global ambitions of our broker-dealer partners. We see Europe as a market ripe for this evolution, with the value of volume traded for equity and index options running at just 6% of the size of the value traded in the U.S., despite comparable GDP. In the fourth quarter, our European Derivatives Exchange, CDEX, posted its best quarter since launch with volumes up 85% year over year. More importantly, completing our index trading capabilities in the region, we successfully launched our single stock options offering in November. We currently have options on 127 companies in production today, with plans for over 300 names later this quarter, subject to regulatory approvals, and expect to commence a liquidity provider program in the months ahead. The movement of the value ladder from cash to data to derivatives provides the framework for establishing a flywheel of revenue generation. Turning to slide eight, it was another record quarter for SBX and a record year for the overall index business as investors turned to our S&P 500 volatility toolkit to help navigate markets. SBX options volumes grew a robust 31% to a record ADV of 2.9 million contracts in 2023. Activity in the fourth quarter was a record 3.3 million contracts. Notably, while volumes grew across the board, we saw a more pronounced jump in call volume as investors turned to options to quickly adjust their portfolios in the face of changing market conditions. Meanwhile, we continue to see sustained traction in our zero day to expiry options. Zero DTE activity grew a remarkable 60% year-over-year to comprise 45% of overall SPX activity. These ultra-short dated options have given investors the ability to hedge risk, 
generate income and express directional views more precisely and frequently. In our VIX complex, as markets rallied last year, volatility levels fell, with the VIX falling from an average of 26 in 2022 to 17 in 2023. The lower VIX levels drove call buying as investors looked to the convexity of VIX options to help protect against potential black swan events. Overall, VIX ADV jumped 40% to a record 743,000 contracts last year. As volumes continue to grow, so does the demand for new data sets, indices, and tradable products. We had many noteworthy developments over 2023. In partnership with S&P Dow Jones Indices, we launched the SIBO One-Day Volatility Index in April, options on futures for our SIBO IBOX Bond Index futures in July, the SIBO S&P 500 Dispersion Index in September, and in October, we further expanded our benchmark VIX methodology by launching a new suite of four credit volatility indices. Turning to slide nine, as we start 2024, we see a supportive backdrop unfolding for our index products aided by both strong secular forces and cyclical tailwinds. The increased utilization of options as a tool has been underway for decades, but we are still just scratching the surface on widespread adoption. Investors have become increasingly sophisticated over the years, an interest we've looked to foster through our leading investor education platform, the Options Institute. With additional online platforms planning to offer cash settle products in the year ahead, we see a runway to higher levels of accessibility and activity across our suite of derivative products. As you heard me mention earlier, the opportunity to bring a U.S. market experience to global participants is increasingly compelling. While our current efforts are aimed at providing a single access point to trade pan-European products, over time we expect to leverage our access to other regions like Asia-Pacific. Today, this shows up most directly through the continued growth in global trading hours activity. In 2023, SBX GTH expanded by a robust 85%, and VIX GTH activity was up a solid 45%. Despite the growth across the complex, GTH for SBX options still represents under 3% of overall activity, and GTH for VIX options made up less than 1% of all VIX volumes leaving meaningful potential for expansion. As we have seen in other markets, traders continue to demand greater flexibility in managing their risk profile. The growth in zero DT activity speaks to the burgeoning need to manage intraday risk at greater levels. Importantly, this trend remains firmly in place across market cycles and volatility regimes. Magnifying the impact from the structural tailwinds I just covered, there are a number of cyclical factors working in our favor today. A common misconception that we often hear is that we need higher volatility or a market sell-off to drive options volume growth. As you can see from the chart on the slide, this is far from the truth. Investors have turned to options to help manage risk when the outlook is uncertain. However, it's important to note that risk runs both ways. And as we saw in Q4, investors turned to options to ma help manage the upside potential in the market, buying calls to quickly increase the equity exposure in the face of falling 10-year rates. In fact, our Q4 2023 record volume days all occurred on market updates. And the last quarter was a record period for our SPX complex, despite the index moving 11% higher 
and volatility levels falling dramatically. We believe that options provide an increasingly durable stream of revenue. Unlike cash equity products, options expire on an increasingly frequent basis, particularly as investors embrace shorter duration trading strategies. This means that traders must continuously reassess the market, putting on and adjusting positions to manage risk, hedge exposure, or generate income. Turning to slide 10, I want to reinforce some of our more recent product innovations. In January 2024, we increased access to shorter duration products with the launch of Tuesday and Thursday expiring Russell 2000 and Mini Russell 2000 index weekly options, providing small cap investors with some of the same tools available to SBX traders. For XSP, despite the roughly 80% ADV growth produced during 2023, we are even more excited about the potential for the XSP contract in 2024. We believe potential margin relief from the SEC will allow additional customers to benefit from XSP's many advantages. Overall, the potential for regulatory approval, coupled with the likelihood for our cash-settled products to be offered on additional online platforms, should help catalyze incremental XSP uptake. On the data side, our partners play an important role in our growth. In 2024, we are excited to expand our collaboration with MSCI to include the launch of two new volatility indices and three new tradable products, subject to regulatory approval. This is a great example of our continued relationship with MSCI and the growing demand for both more volatility indicators and tradable products to better manage market risk. Touching more broadly on our data and access solutions business on slide 11, we posted another record quarter results with revenues increasing 7% on a year-over-year basis. For the full year, DNA grew 9% with organic growth making up 7.5 percentage points of the 9% growth. The year-over-year growth was again driven by client expansion and additional unit sales of our expanding portfolio of access and data solutions. Outside of our cloud capabilities that I mentioned earlier, we saw the opportunity to grow our business by strengthening our distribution capabilities, expanding our index capabilities, and providing greater access to our markets around the world. I started my prepared remarks outlining the process we follow when building out our ecosystem of capabilities. As we think about the key trends across our businesses, we believe we are well aligned in each of our major categories. This not only helps drive more durable revenue generation for more established products like our SPX suite, but also allows for the build-out of newer initiatives that can leverage a robust infrastructure already in place. Digital assets is one such product that touches each segment of our ecosystem. As we see markets increasingly move digital, we believe there will be greater demand for trusted and transparent markets. We were honored to have been chosen as a listing venue for six of the 11 Bitcoin ETFs made available for trading in January. Looking beyond the listing, cash trading and data benefits, a more vibrant crypto ecosystem is advantageous to our recently launched Margin Futures product. In January, Cibo Digital became the only U.S. regulated exchange to offer spot, leveraged derivatives and clearing on a single platform. 2024 is off to a strong start, and we look forward to capitalizing on the numerous opportunities across our business to drive long-term shareholder value. With that, I will turn the call over to Jill. Thanks, Dave. As Fred and Dave highlighted, SIBO posted a strong fourth quarter, 
with adjusted diluted earnings per share of 14% on a year-over-year basis to $2.06, equaling our previous quarterly record. On a full-year basis, adjusted diluted earnings per share were up 13% to a record $7.80, as SIBO generated strong net revenue growth of 10%, hitting a record $1.9 billion for 2023. I am incredibly pleased with the 2023 results and will provide some high-level takeaways from the quarter before delving into an assessment of the segment results and our 2024 guidance. Our fourth quarter net revenue increased 9% to finish at a record $499 million. The growth was again driven by the strength in our derivatives markets category and the solid results from our data and access solutions business. Specifically, derivatives markets produced 18% year-over-year organic net revenue growth in the fourth quarter. As we set numerous records across our proprietary product franchise for the fourth quarter and full year. Data and access solutions net revenues increased 7% on an organic basis during the quarter. We are pleased with the revenue trends and are confident in our ability to deliver durable growth in 2024. Cash and spot markets net revenues decreased 11% during the quarter on an organic basis, given headwinds in our North American equities business. Adjusted operating expenses increased 9% to $192 million, with the year-over-year growth driven by higher compensation and benefits during the quarter. And adjusted EBITDA of $321 million grew a solid 10% versus the fourth quarter of 2022. Turning to the key drivers by segment, our press release in the appendix of our slide deck include information detailing the key metrics of our business segments. So I'll provide some highlights for each. The option segment provided robust growth to cap an outstanding year. Net revenue grew 15%, led by a strong contribution from our index business and favorable revenue per contract trends given the mix shift to index options. Total options ADV was up 2% as our higher priced index options ADV increased 24% over fourth quarter 2022 levels. Revenue per contract moved 20% higher given a continued positive contribution of higher capture index products. And access in capacity fees were up 6% as compared to the fourth quarter of 2022. North American equities net revenue was down 10% on a year-over-year basis in the fourth quarter, driven by lower net transaction fees. The decrease was driven by a decline in our U.S. equities on exchange net capture as unfavorable mix shift and higher client volume pushed more clients into higher tiers, resulting in a negative impact on our overall net capture rate. With our recent fee filings, we have already taken steps to enhance our capture dynamics while maintaining market share as we look to maximize revenue potential for the segment. Partially offsetting some of the headwinds in the U.S. on-exchange business, Canadian equities and our biz businesses were solid for the quarter. And on the non-transaction side, access and capacity fees increased 7%, and proprietary market data was up 6%. The Europe and APAC segment reported a 9% year-over-year increase in net revenue as stronger non-transaction revenues and favorable foreign exchange trends, again, outpaced volume headwinds in European equities. Market data, access and capacity, and other, which includes the positive impact of interest income during the quarter, were up a combined 14% on a year-over-year basis. Transaction revenue in Japan and Australia benefited from solid market share gains. The future segment reported the strongest year-over-year growth of all of our segments for the quarter, with net revenue up a robust 
Activity in the segment accelerated as volumes increased 21% on a year-over-year basis and rate per contract improved by 2%. On the non-transaction side, access and capacity fees continued to perform well, up 6% versus the fourth quarter of last year, and market data revenues increased by 15%. And finally, net revenue in the FX segment notched another quarterly gain, growing by 12%, making it the 11th consecutive quarter of year-over-year net revenue gains for the segment. Net transaction fees revenue was up 8% as average daily notional value increased by 15%, and market share hit another record at 21.3% for the quarter. Turning now to SIBO's data and access solutions business, net revenues were up a solid 7% on an organic basis in the fourth quarter, bringing the full year total net revenue growth to 9% and organic net revenue growth to 7.5% in 2023. Net revenue growth continued to be driven by additional subscriptions and units, accounting for 84% of the organic market data growth and just over half of the organic access and capacity fees growth during the fourth quarter. We are pleased with the organic net revenue trends for the segment and believe the momentum positions us well to hit our 2024 and medium-term guidance range of 7 to 10%. More specifically, we expect to see continued strength from Increasing demand for access across our global markets, particularly given our leverage to growing asset classes and expansion into new regions. Proprietary data sales and options analytics, benefiting from the sustained growth across our derivative complex. And finally, we anticipate a continued focus on our sales effort to distribute our content globally, from market data to indices, adding to the enhanced distribution capabilities that the SIBO Global Cloud presents. Turning to expenses, total adjusted operating expenses were approximately $192 million for the quarter, up 9% compared to last year. The increase was a product of compensation and benefits given higher headcount, as well as higher technology support services to support the investment in our key growth initiatives during the quarter. As we look ahead on slide 18 to our 2024 guidance, we are introducing our full year 2024 adjusted expense guidance range of 798 to $808 million. After two years of relatively elevated expense growth as we integrated numerous acquisitions and invested heavily in growth initiatives, we are slowing the pace of expense growth to help provide greater margin stability moving forward. Our 2024 expense guidance of $798 to $808 million represents roughly 6% growth on the bottom end and 8% growth on the top end, or just under a 5% increase at the midpoint if using the fourth quarter of 2023 as a baseline. Importantly, this lower growth rate should not be viewed as a lack of desire or ability to invest in attractive long-term growth opportunities across our businesses, but rather highlights a more refined effort to manage expense growth to better align with revenue generation and stabilize the margins of our businesses. Looking at our full-year guidance more broadly, we are introducing an organic total net revenue growth range of 5 to 7% for 2024. This is in line with our medium-term guidance of 5 to 7% introduced over two years ago as we continue to execute on our vision for the company. We are also introducing a DNA organic net revenue growth target range of 7 to 10% for 2024, also in line with our medium-term expectations. The DNA category has been a durable growth driver over the years, and we remain comfortable in our ability to hit our objectives in 2024. In the other income line, we anticipate a $37 to $43 million benefit 
in 2024 from positive marks on our investment in the Seven Ridge Fund, which owns trading technologies. Our full-year guidance on CapEx calls for an expected range of 51 to 57 million in 2024, and depreciation and amortization is expected to be in the range of 43 to 47 million for the year. We expect the effective tax rate on adjusted earnings under the current tax laws to come in at 28.5% to 30.5% for 2024. And finally, outside of our annual guidance, we expect net interest expense to be in the range of 10 to $11 million for the first quarter of 2024. Before moving on from our guidance section, I want to spend a minute on slide 19 to highlight how SIBO has performed against our medium-term expectations historically. Looking back over the last six years, we've performed well against our targets as we have executed on our strategic ambitions. Our goal for the last few years has been to grow total organic net revenues by 5 to 7% and organic DNA revenues by 7 to 10% each year, something we have consistently achieved. Given the durable nature of both our non-transaction and transaction businesses, particularly given the increasingly recurring nature of our derivatives franchise, we believe we are well positioned to build on our historical performance and look forward to innovating and leveraging our global platform. 2024 is off to another strong start, and as we have done in the past, we will fine-tune our annual guidance expectations to reflect the current environment throughout the year. On the capital front, our focus remains maximizing long-term shareholder value through effective capital management. In the fourth quarter, we returned a total of $58.5 million to shareholders in the form of a $0.55 cent per share quarterly dividend. In addition, we repurchased $5.8 million in shares at the end of the fourth quarter. Moving forward, we will look to opportunistically repurchase shares given our continued strong free cash flow generation. Turning to our balance sheet, we paid down the remaining $75 million on our term loan facility during the quarter. Our fourth quarter leverage ratio declined to 1.2 times from 1.3 times in the prior quarter as a result of the debt pay down. Overall, we remain comfortable with our debt profile and the balance sheet flexibility it affords, having locked in low, medium to longer term fixed rates, averaging below 3% on our outstanding debt. Embedded in our expense, revenue, and capital expectations, we are always looking to strike the right balance between investing in future growth and optimizing our margins. We look forward to executing on our growth drivers in the year ahead and delivering solid shareholder returns in 2024. Now, I'd like to turn it back over to Fred for some closing comments before we open it up to Q&A. We are excited about both the near and long-term opportunities to grow and expand our business and believe we have strong momentum as we head into 2024. We are well positioned to leverage our global footprint, our leading edge technology, and continued product innovation to unlock the value of the global network that CBO has built and I am excited about the opportunities we see to drive revenue and earnings growth across our platforms. At this point, we'd be happy to take questions. We ask that you please limit your questions to one per person to allow time to get to everyone. Feel free to get back in the queue, and if time permits, we'll take a second question. Thank you. At this time, I'd like to remind our teleconference participants in order to ask a question, please press the star followed by the number one on your telephone keypad. Our first question comes in line on Ben Budish from Barclays Capital. Please go ahead. Hi, uh, good morning and thanks for taking the question. 
Uh, I wanted to ask about the revenue guidance for this year. Um, you know, Jill, you made a comment about how you're well positioned to build on historical performance, and if you look at the last three years, you've been well above that range. Um, and and I guess the question is sort of, are you sticking with your medium-term target, or does five to seven represent sort of how you see the year unfolding right now? Um, and maybe kind of alongside that, how do you maybe frame up the OPEX um, guidance in the context of the revenue growth? I think you sort of indicated, well, if there's a lot of opportunity, we might spend more. If there's less opportunity, we might spend less. How, how do those pieces all, all fit together? Thank you. You bet. I'll start us off here. And I think when looking at our revenue guidance of the 5 to 7%, as you alluded to, that's our medium-term guidance that we're going out there with, really looking at the strong finish to 2023, looking at that momentum, building in you know, steadily over 2024. We did have a strong January, though, so we will continue to monitor and obviously we'll adjust the guidance going forward on a quarterly basis. As it relates to the operating expense piece, again, trying to harmonize that with revenue opportunities feels very comfortable now that we're at more of a steady state with the guidance range that we've gone out there with. To the extent, though, that we identify revenue-generating opportunities, we are definitely well-positioned to invest in those, and we'll evaluate those as they come. Okay, great. Thank you. You bet. Thank you. Our next question comes from Dan Vannon of Jefferies. Please go ahead. Uh, thanks. Good morning. Uh, Fred, I was hoping to get an update on your goal of sharpening uh, CBOE's focus. As we think about 2024, are there certain segments or products that are de-emphasized in terms of investment? And then more specifically, how do you think about uh, or your thoughts around the strategic importance of the FX business, which doesn't really seem to uh, you know, harmonize with some of your other products? Okay, so, so first, I think on the, the sharpening the focus, I mean, I go back to when I was on the board and the strategy of SIBO was more asset classes, more geographies, and I thought that was pretty broad. So now that I'm the CEO, basically um, want to sharpen that focus, uh, which I had uh, always been on my predecessor about sharpening that focus and making some choices. I think where we are right now is you know, basically we've built this global network uh, we got the global platform. We've got most of the technology converted. We have one left. Uh, I think it's now up to us to uh, sharpen our focus in terms of where we see the biggest opportunity to invest organically to drive growth across that platform now that you know, we have one common te technology platform. Definitely the M&A activity has slowed down and will continue to be slowed down, but you know, we will continue to look at things on an opportunistic basis where we see something that's of interest to us, but we want to make sure it's strategic, it's financially attractive, and it drives good shareholder value over time. Um, with respect to the FX business, you know, it's performing well. Um, it's, a, it's, it's been a good business for us, uh, so we remain happy with that business. Uh, I understand, you know, our core game is the securities and securities derivatives businesses, but the FX business continues to perform well for us. Uh, and we don't need the money or anything. So I think you know, right now we're very comfortable with our position there. And certainly, um, Dan, I would add, obviously, the FX business performed very well with that market share up at 21.3%. And when you think about it in relation to the other businesses, it is a global business, and we are building a global securities and derivatives network. And the technology platform uh, that runs the FX business really suits the needs of that space very well and has allowed us to step into an adjacency there with only a small incremental uh, investment as we look at the U.S. Treasuries 
platform that we've been building out. And there we've we launched and we now are seeing early trades and a good pipeline there. So the business has a has a good runway for us and, and it being global and that overlap of client based the synergy there really something we find quite powerful. Yeah. And you know as we go through the strategic review We'll continue to sharpen our focus, but as we're early in the process, once we get through it more, we'll, we'll be clearer to everyone about exactly how we're sharpening our focus. Understood. Thank you. Thank you. Our next question comes from line of Ken Worthington of J.P. Morgan. Please go ahead. Hi. Good morning, and thanks for taking the question. It looks like the pace of relative growth in zero TTE is leveling off in SPX. So it's 44% in 2Q, 48% in 3Q. Um, you said it was 50% in January. Is there a logical ceiling in terms of how high zero DTE can be of, of total SPX volumes? And how do you think about growth of SPX over the next few years if ZT, zero DTE is not uh, a principal driver? Thanks a lot, Ken. Um, SPX volumes there in Q4 up at 3.3 million contracts with a good solid run into January as well as we go through. When you think about the SPX complex and then even take a step back to overall SIBO's volatility toolkit that we talk about, that is the complex that investors have found great utility to be nimble and to manage that uncertainty, whether it be hedging, positioning, and repositioning portfolios across tenants. It's not just about zero DTE, and that's where you see that fluctuation in the percentage of trading that is zero DTE it really depends on what's happening. Some of our biggest volume days have indeed seen a lower proportion of zero DTE trading as people reposition their portfolios, potentially catch up to a market rally, or simply hedge a broader portfolio. So that percentage of zero DTE has uh, flexed over time. It's really in that range of 40 to 50 uh, percent there. But the great thing that we see is the overall utility of the complex. And with zero DTE itself, if you drill down one step further, uh, we've seen that evolution of the growth of non-retail engagement in the usage of those shorter dated tanners. Um, last year, around about 55, to call it 60% of overall zero DT in SPX was what we call non-retail, which includes professional retail in that non-retail segment. This quarter, just gone, it's nearly 70%, around about 68%. So great thing there is the, um, the engagement from the institutional side of the market. They're really finding greater utility. And as you mentioned, zero DT in general, that shorter dated tenor, um, uh, applicability for customers out there. We added Tuesday and Thursdays, we certainly prepared remarks to the Russell complex, really allowing small cap investors many of the same strategies that they enjoy in, that, in the bigger SPX large cap US market um, index there. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you. Our next question comes in line of Alex Blostein of Goldman Sachs. Please go ahead. Hey guys, good morning. Uh, staying on the SBX uh, question for another minute, uh, it looks like the volumes in January have really decoupled uh, versus sort of other equity markets. So, you know, January SBX volumes think up over 20 year over year. Um, zero DT obviously is a contributor, but it looks like the monthlies are growing as well. 
that's sort of very much in contrast to what we're seeing in single name options and cash equities and CMEs equity derivatives. So just curious, what has been the driver? Is there anything new um, kind of happening underneath the surface with respect to the new customer bases or uh, just broader adoption that you could point to? Um, we, we see some rotation there, certainly as different strategies are deployed and we see and hear many of our customers talking about uh, actually an interest in some of the single name options capability. We hear on uh, earnings calls like this a variety of liquidity providers and retail brokers really continuing to engage in options uh, in general. The, the overall adoption for index options in particular the SPX is really that elevated macro uncertainty that people are beginning with managing their portfolios on that macro basis as they adjust to news, the uncertainty, the Fed, inflation, um, growth estimates, and of course the U.S. elections really contributing to people uh, really turning to that index uh, suite to really be able to manage that portfolio risk and actually um, finer tune exposures as they look throughout the, throughout the year there. Uh, all right, thanks. Thank you. Our next question comes to the line of Alex Cram from UBS Financial. Please go ahead. Yes, hey, good morning, everyone. Sorry if I missed this earlier, but can you uh, talk a little bit more about capital allocation, in particular as it relates to share buybacks? Uh, I think the, the fourth quarter, I think roughly $6 million or so, but... I know you also paid off some debt. So with that now behind us, is, uh, can you talk about the pace of buybacks you see and how you think about it from an opportunistic versus consistent kind of framework for this year? Thanks. You bet. So as you've alluded to, we did have, I mean, just $5.8 million worth of share repurchases in the fourth quarter, so considered relatively light. But if you look back on a historical basis, we do have a history of being heavier on the repurchase front during the first quarter of each year. And then also, as you've alluded to, we have paid off all of the floating rate debt, which gives us just affords us more in the way of capacity and ability to deploy capital. So as we've done in the past, we will continue to be opportunistic as it relates to share repurchases. If we see any perceived weakness in the share price, we will absolutely get in back to be back behind it. And then again, just continue with our routine practice as well on top of that. Makes sense. Thanks. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Owen Lau of Oppenheimer. Please go ahead. Good morning, and thank you for taking my questions. Um, thank you for providing slide nine about 2024 catalyst. Uh, could you please add more color on these catalysts of wider adoption and expanded access? Um, it would be great. You can remind us how many existing retail platforms have index options trading, how many more do you expect to come online in 2024? And then for global trading hour, how should we think about incremental volume? Thanks. Thanks very much, Owen. Um, the expanding access is obviously a big focus for us now with a global footprint that allows us more boots on the ground, more access to local customers who would like to gain uh, an access exposure to, our, to the SIBO volatility toolkit, in particular the SPX and VIX options there. Um, the single digit percentage of overall volumes that we see in global trading hours really, we think, provides a solid runway when we look at 
other potential comparables out there. And so our focus is really adding those new retail brokers and brokers internationally that you, you spoke about there. We've got uh, several coming on in uh, 2024, including, obviously, we've heard on various earnings calls, the uh, addition of Robinhood likely later on this year, which we find very exciting for the complex as a whole, from the SPX all the way through to the XSP products. And that's really a key focus for us, onboarding new participants uh, to the complex. But also I would note that the expansion of the institutional, the non-retail engagement in uh, the SPX complex has been really compelling and interesting for us as that liquidity has built the quality of the order books, the pricing, the capability to trade as and when uh, investors need to has really drawn in new strategies as well, for example, from QIS desks and so on. So we're excited about new strategies and new funds deploying capital into SPX uh, more broadly. So that really speaks to the increased wider adoption, not just from retail, but from new institutional strategies that can gain benefit from that uh, solid ecosystem that we've been able to build out. All right. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Michael Cypress from Morgan Stanley. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning. I was hoping you could speak to some of the new indices that you've launched over the past year uh, across asset classes, including the credit volatility indices, and maybe you could talk to some of the opportunities that you see for introducing tradable products, where that stands, what that product roadmap looks like across asset classes. And as you look out over the next couple of years, where might there be other opportunities for creating uh, other proprietary uh, index-related products? Thanks very much. The, the focus of product development here at SIBO really is that simplification of potentially OTC and complex strategies, really striving to bring capital efficiencies to our customers across wallet sizes, so bringing investment strategies to all wallet sizes. So just look at the global trading hours we just spoke about. Think about uh, the XSP as bringing the SPX um, exposure, the S&P 500 exposure to a smaller wallet size, the Russell Tuesday, Thursday there, all good uh, organic uh, initiatives. When you think about the indices we launched last year, you've got the dispersion index and the credit VIX, as you mentioned. The dispersion index there, we aim to have a future available on that um, indicator later on this year, subject to regulatory approvals and final product design requirements. And then think about the expansion of the MSCI contract, three new tradable products, two volatility indices there. More exposures you've got now at SIBO with index options. You have global exposures, you've got US exposure, and you've got small cap exposures that you can trade with the potential for further product development from there. And then we mentioned finally new asset classes. We've already got the iBox credit futures, that first listed uh, credit future available in the United States, really amenable to funds that cannot trade securities to be able to manage their risk and hedge any portfolio risk there as well. The options on futures we launched last year also bring optionality to, the, to that new asset class. And when you combine them together, you think about credit VIX with the credit uh, futures, you think about dispersion index next to the VIX index, you've got a variety of indicators from a variety of slices of exposures and asset classes that customers can come to SIBO and in a single place manage all of those in a single place. So what you should see 
expect to see from SIBO is as we build these liquidity pools and these ecosystems that we will incrementally push these forward, but always we're going to be led by customer demand. So we're going to go wherever our customers ask us to go. So that will be an evolving process as we go through year to year. Great, thank you. Our next question comes from Lana Brian Bedell of Deutsche Bank. Please go ahead. Great. Uh, thanks. Good morning, folks. Uh, thanks for taking my question. Um, maybe shifting gears um, uh, outside the U.S., um, uh, the Canadian uh, migration onto the SIBO platform, and that's the combination of, of NEO and Match now. Can you just talk about um, whether it, you know that's more of an um, efficiency um, initiative, or uh, is that something that you think um, can, can um, enhance uh, your market share in Canada? And maybe just talk broadly about your, your strategy. I know, um, you know uh, you've been bringing bids there as well. Uh, and if you can touch on um, your, your listings uh, game plan with NEO. Yeah, Brian, good morning. This is Chris Isaacson. I'll start that. So yeah, with the NEO migration to the SIBO technology plan for Q1 of next year, I'd say it's all of the above. Yes, we do expect it to be more efficient. Well, you know, it's part of our platform migrations is become, become more efficient to please our customers. But then on the back of those migrations, we have historically seen market share growth as well as uh, data and access solutions revenue growth or pull through, uh, which in fact is happening right now both in Australia and Japan. So. We want to bring not just greater efficiency, but greater functionality to the Canadian market in a unified platform. We have already launched bids there when we migrated Match Now back in 2022, uh, but we want to continue to grow bids uh, in Canada uh, as well as provide that unified platform. So, in order for us to realize our aspirations in Canada, we, we need to complete this migration uh, seamlessly as we've done elsewhere in the world. We're really pleased that this is the final one on the list to do. Uh, we're going to do it excellently uh, while we also focus on organic growth initiatives. And certainly, uh, I would add to that a little bit in that you know, the customer networks and relationships we have globally alone, we've been able to bring to bear in Canada, look at the market share growth to 15.3% from 1306 uh, year over year. And with that common platform, that global reach, it means that we're able to also turbocharge um, bids and other trading initiatives with a single platform. We can bring new functionalities to Canada and that common experience Chris talked about. And then there's the listings. You mentioned that the corporate listings business in Canada is a, is a strong part of the business there. And with our exchanges around the world for a small incremental uh, investment, we can actually begin to offer customers a global experience. And that's showing through actually in the ETP growth that we've got from a listings perspective in North America. 56 new ETPs launched in Q4 against 34 in Q3. And in fact, in January already, we're on track for 40 new ETPs. So just think about that uniformity, that global scale, really coming into, into the forefront there as we think about all of our footprints around the world. Great. Thank you very much. Our next question comes to the line of Carl Voigt from KPW. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning. Uh, maybe a question on the U.S. cash equities business. You mentioned the unfavorable mix shift of volumes, but also some of the fee changes that you recently made that should bring back up the capture rate. 
So I guess, can you just elaborate on the competitive environment there? Uh, is that what is primarily driving the shift in volumes or is it something else driving it? And the fee capture there has been in a, in a pretty wide range with uh, fee capture down about 40% sequentially. So just wondering if you could help frame how much of the fee capture decline in 4Q you could potentially recapture with these fee changes as we look out to the first quarter. Yes, yeah, certainly. That. I think the headline is a stronger market dynamic in December is the, is the headline for Q4. When you look at our addressable market share across Q4, it's around about 26% of the addressable market, so that's outside of the TRS at the close. In December, it went up to 20, over 27%. And that market dynamic, as you mentioned, there's a confluence of contributing factors. Uh, that was number one. Volumes hit 12.4 billion shares on a, on a daily basis in December, higher than the 10 or 11 or so from prior months. The mix shift, the higher percentage of sub-dollar trading in December, went up to 19% of overall trading versus 13% from, uh, from earlier months, and certainly showing there that higher retail engagement in December. And finally, layering onto that, the higher activity from market makers pushed customers up through tiers in December and really reduce that capture. And as Jill says, we uh, responded, as is convention in the U.S. equities market, on a monthly price change basis in January. We've seen our capture come back up, and we've managed to maintain market share while doing that. We announced more changes for February, and we expect that trend to continue whilst achieving stable market share. So really, headline is market dynamics. Fee changes allow us to be more competitive there, but we are doing a number of things to be more competitive across our multi-list environment throughout the rest of 2024. Thank you. Thank you. Our next question comes from Patrick Murray or Piper Sandler. Please go ahead. Yeah, good morning. Thanks for taking my question. I just had a, a question on CBOE Digital. Uh, I think, you know, Dave, you said in your prepared remarks you thought digital assets was an area where you were going to see greater demand going forward. Uh, I, I think on the last call, Fred had maybe alluded to possibly pulling back some uh, investment in CBOE digital, wanted to see how maybe some things played out. So, you know, just in, in the wake of this Bitcoin ETF approval, was hoping to just get an update on your vision for that business and maybe, you know, how you expect uh, things to evolve over the next couple of years. Thanks. Okay. Uh, thanks, Patrick. I mean, I mean, it, it, uh, certainly, you know, the, this space is uh, with the regulatory uncertainty has, has caused this asset class to take longer to develop out than we anticipated. Having said that, there continues to be an asset class that there is a lot of interest in, and what many participants are looking for is what we're trying to build, a regulatory-friendly and robust market for crypto. Uh, you know, obviously, we're, we're happy we got the crypto ETF so. Uh, we've launched margin futures, so we're 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 uh, you know doing that. Um, but we also recognize it's going to take time to build an ecosystem for a new and emerging asset class. Uh, so you know we, we're trying to be patient, but continue to focus on it. Right now, we're very much focused on a building out the derivative side of the crypto market, uh, which is our bread and butter. That's what we're we're known for. And then number two, building on a robust ecosystem of both retail and institutional market participants. Uh, and you know, as I said, you know, these things take time with a new and emerging asset class, but we, you know, we'll continue to monitor, make decisions accordingly, 
uh, but we, we think we'll be patient here and continue to try, continue to, try to innovate and build a more robust market and, and build off the derivative side. That's where we're focused right now. Great, thanks for the code. Thank you. As a reminder, if you'd like to ask a question, please press the star followed by the one on your telephone. Okay. Do you want me to say anything? There appear to be no further questions at this time. Mr. Ken Hill, Vice President of Investor Relations and Treasurer, I turn the call back over to you. Okay. okay. Thanks, everyone. Uh, thanks for the time. your time today. We have a robust uh, investor conference schedule here over the next uh, five to six weeks, uh, and we hope to see many of you. All the best to, to 2024. Thanks. Thank you. This concludes today's conference call. We thank you for participating, and you may